Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women and they about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this show for you. Welcome to the program. Thanks for listening. If you're into this for two hours with me, thank you for staying with me. If you've just joined me, welcome. Love having you. Going to talk about lots of subjects here on the second hour of the show. If you want to call me about any questions you have at all, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. That's 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can always email me sextalk at cknw.com. I do have a book, my book that I wrote. If you would like it, I will send it out to you. It is called Sex and Health. Why one can't come without the other. It's a compilation of cases from my clinical practice about common sexual health issues that occur to anyone and everyone and why they occur and what to do about them. So I threw in a little humor in there and a little health education and uh, see what you think. Anyway, so I'm happy to send out a copy if you would like to read it. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Also going to be talking about seven common relationship problems and how to overcome them in this hour in addition to oral sex. Ladies, what's going on out there? <laughs> Many of you just aren't comfortable with it. Trying to get this duty sex over with doesn't make for great relationships. If you're having that kind of sex, your relationship is at risk for chronic masturbation, internet pornography, Cheating or infidelity and or divorce. I've seen it all. Believe you me. I've been in this field of practice for about 14 years now. So I've uh, certainly heard most of it. I've also met a few late in life virgins. So is that you? Do they exist? Yes, they do. There really aren't that many, but I'll tell you a little bit about them. And we have not cornered the market, ladies, on faking orgasms. Men do it too, and the reasons might surprise you. Also going to be talking about, the is your home a clutter, cluttered mess? Is every drawer a disaster? Is it it may impact your mental health. So learn about that here with me tonight and why it's good to put five things away whenever you're in a room or just spend an hour every day tidying up the entire house. You'd be amazed at just how much you can get done and just how organized you and your mind will be. And then you have more time for guess what? Yes, getting back to the bedroom. I have lots of questions about premature ejaculation and it's amazing what the root causes of those are. They're very often very simple causes. And uh, I'll tell you about an email that I received about that recently and about basically about this person's life and how it was impacting um, his life and some easy things. And he kept saying to me, what is, give me a pill, <laughs> give me a pill. Everybody wants a pill. Well, that's not necessarily that great, and you'll hear why when we talk a little bit about narcotics shortly uh, when Dr. Lawrence Jang joins me to talk about fentanyl and and, uh, Prince's death. But at the moment, I have Chris on the line. Hello, Chris. Hello. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about a topic that uh, you spoke about uh, probably two months ago uh, called sounding. Is that true? Yes. Now... That's the insertion of, a, of some sort of a metallic object up someone's uh, penis, right? 
That's right. Now, how can that be pleasurable? You know, I have not tried it, so... Well, I, I, I was... Uh, <laughs> you know, for some people... I you... turned off by the description, but I just wanted to... I hadn't had a chance to actually follow it up. You know, it's it's actually a navigational term, the depth of the sea. That's where it uh, stems from. Okay. Um, and it's also... Uh, it's a medical procedure as well. Urethral sounding is the medical use of probes. Called okay. They're called sounds. Uh, to increase the diameter of the urethra and to locate obstructions. But some people insert this into their urethra and find pleasure. It may stimulate the prostate. Um, it's not for everybody, but um, it's urethral play, basically. Oh, and it goodness. involves a, either a soft or rigid item into the meatus of the penis. Right. And, um, yeah, so they, they're inserted about halfway into the glands and can be easily retrieved. So some people find... So, yes. What's that? I would hope so, yes. Yes, that would be the most important right. uh, aspect there. So uh, it's, you know, it's gaining some popularity lately, I will say. Okay. Uh, people are needing an increase in pleasure, an increase in, in stimulation. Um, you know, when especially when they don't deal with their own issues of life or right, they right. require uh, much higher stimulation. Okay, I understand now. All right. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Have a good night. <laughs> All right, you fly. too. Thank you so much. Uh, there, The sounding does carry risk of irritation, tearing of the urethra, or a urinary tract infection. So uh, the infections may become serious, especially if they progress to the bladder. Uh, so one must think about this uh, practice of sounding and be very well educated and know what you're getting into, so to speak. Um, But as we say, certain things in life may provide us with pleasure. And we may find that in a drug. Now, I I actually work with uh, people who have issues with drug substance use and abuse, shall I say. And this can really impact an intimate relationship because often you're, many people report to me that they feel like they're in a relationship with somebody entirely different than the person they may have married or the person that they may have uh, begun a relationship with or, or they had blinders on initially uh, in the relationship or it just may be somebody who is into particular sexual acts only when they are on on drugs or they behave in a certain way. Fentanyl was first synthesized in the 1960s. It's a Schedule II drug, and that means it has a very high potential to lead to dependence. It's an opiate analgesic drug, and it's very similar to morphine and heroin, but it's a lot stronger, like a 100 times more potent. The National Institute of Drug Abuse explains that it works in areas of the brain that control pain and emotions. A lot of people are in pain, especially emotional pain, but this can be prescribed or used for, uh, as was the, I, I gather, and the doctor's going to clarify this, um, for hip and knee pain for, of Prince. He used it for that. When the opiate binds to the receptors in the brain, they drive up the dopamine levels in the brain's reward areas, and that produces a state of euphoria and relaxation. So you can see, if you're in pain or chronic pain, you'd be desperate for euphoria and relaxation. Dr. Lawrence Jang 
is on the line with me, and he is expert in this area of overprescribing of narcotics and other opioid substances. Hello, Dr. Jang? Dr. Yang, sorry. Yes, yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? I certainly can. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Well, we found out last week that Prince died of an accidental overdose of fentanyl, and, and it was described as a decadent, self-administered dose of fentanyl. What does yeah. that mean? Well, it, it means that um, it means generally the prince was suffering a lot. He was suffering from a lot of pain and likely some anxiety, and and he he was trying to reduce that pain and anxiety the only way he knew how, the way that he'd adapted to do so for for over fifteen years or more. So, was um, he initially given a prescription of uh, morphine uh, or yeah. fentanyl for his knee and hip pain? Yeah, un- undoubtedly. I-, I think some of his uh, arthritis uh, in the hip, etc., according to reports that's avail- that are available publicly, uh, began all the way back in the 80s and 90s. You know, his his lifestyle required him to work, 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 and and not to. He didn't have time to do much uh, physiotherapy on his- on himself. He had such a tight uh, touring schedule, and he would wear costumes which would affect his biomechanics and jumping off the stage as as performance. He had injured himself many times, and doctors did prescribe him opioid uh, pain medication, which started him off um, on this trajectory. And he allegedly lived a clean lifestyle, which I gather means healthy eating and didn't drink alcohol, perhaps, didn't uh, use other substances. So his perception or his perception to the world was, I am a clean living kind of guy. Absolutely, because... You know, he, he was a very uh, spiritual person and, and a religious person. You know, being a Jehovah's Witness, he, he was so devout in his uh, spiritual practices that he, he avoided getting some potentially beneficial surgeries, uh, including hip surgery, hip replacement surgery, which in his viewpoint of his spirituality was prohibited, uh, that the surgery was prohibited for his life, for his particular beliefs. And that's an example of how uh, disciplined he was in his life. And unfortunately, in, in when it came to pain reduction methods, uh, it's so difficult to, to maintain control on your own if you're not under direct supervision and if your dispensing is not controlled by a professional. It, these medications do change your brain and reduce your ability to see clearly uh, what is happening with your body. And it's amazing he was still able to perform in the way he was. Doctors prescribed these medications and haphazardly almost. I had a, a mother who was very concerned. The dentist had wanted her daughter to take a prescription of, um, uh, it was a narcotic and it's, it's escaping me now. And the doctor just said, just try it, just try it. And he was pushing it on her. And the mother felt that was inappropriate. Uh, what are, are doctors overprescribing these narcotics? Yes, that, that is the viewpoint uh, that's been published by uh, the college and by many research studies across North America that opioid pain reducers are being overprescribed in terms of uh, the, the frequency of prescription as well as the number of pills per prescription. So the, yeah, there's a lot of uh, work going into trying to re-educate prescribers to, to reduce it and make it safer and to do more screening before they prescribe and to, of course, use them as a last resort and try other methods of pain reduction before they do that. And there are many other methods like wraps and physiotherapy, as you mentioned, massage. I wa- remember one time I had a, um, I had pneumonia and I had an asthma. I was having some asthma uh, issues and uh, the doctor tried to give me Ativan and I was incensed and I said, I 
I do not want Ativan. I don't need Ativan, and which is a uh, sedative. And uh, so when I told a friend of mine that the doctor had um, prescribed, <laughs> tried to describe Ativan, and I was incensed, she said, "Never turn down a prescription." for Ativan. We need it in this neighborhood. Anyway, <laughs> if you only knew where I lived. No, <laughs> but uh, you have to be vigilant. You have to say, you know what, I'm going to try some other things first. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, we're we're okay. rushing up against the clock here, Dr. Yang. I do appreciate you uh, being here and, and carrying forth this message about doctors and their overprescription. What's the one thing you would tell doctors? Um, I'd tell the doctors, you know, Definitely try other methods first. And if you are going to prescribe, make sure you document that other methods have failed before you prescribe. Excellent. Excellent advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Yang. We'll have you back. And All right. And when I come back, we are going to be talking about cluttering up your mind through your house. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the ZKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I was shocked when I saw this statistic because your family life, how your house is run, how things are going really impacts one's sex life and one's intimate life if you have children. And this starts in childhood, but I think that it continues on through adulthood whether or not you have children. Although U.S. consumers bear only 3% of the world's children U.S. consumers buy 40% of the world's toys. You can imagine that Canada is not far behind. And this can actually impact your mental health. There's a book called Life at Home in the 21st Century. It's a rare look at how middle-class people use the space in their homes and interact with the things they accumulate over a lifetime. Clutter has a profound effect on our mood and self-esteem, according to Uh, the authors of this book. There's a link between high cortisol, so the stress hormone levels in female homeowners, and a high density of household objects. In other words, the more stuff, the more stress women feel. It's amazing because people are so consumer-driven. They want to buy everything for their children. They want to make sure that they have the right stuff and that they have the stuff, the latest phones, the latest computers, the latest gadgets. Men, on the other hand, don't seem to be bothered by mess. And, of course, that's not all men. There are some neat men out there. But this discrepancy between how women feel about the clutter in their home and how men are not bothered by it accounts for tensions between tidy people and their clutter bug perhaps hubbies or if it's the other way around as well. Women usually associate a tidy home with a happy and successful family. You've heard it. You've seen it. It's like this place is a mess, and then the guy turns and says, I don't see anything. It's, there's nothing wrong for me. Um, but the more dishes that pile up in the sink, the more anxious women feel, so women feel better. But I actually do think that we uh, feel better and are more organized and more productive the less we have minimalism is a uh, it's a way of life we uh, one of the women spoke about a shared economy at the TEDx Stanley Park last week which was a great uh, talk that was uh, delivered and how we don't really need all these things our closets are working overtime mine definitely is Uh, (laughs) so I have no room to talk guilty as charged so what if you have 
uh, too much stuff and it's causing stress in your relationship and you're feeling like you have to clean up all the time and you can't get back to the bedroom, which is going to be causing stress to your partner, your intimate partner, because there's usually sex, uh, sexual desire discrepancy between two people, whether they are in a heterosexual dyad or a same sex couple. So you you want to you're, uh, go back to the bedroom. You want to have intimacy with your partner. You don't want dishes in your sink to impact that or in any way you want to be mindful you want to be in the moment when you're making love with that person you want to be fully engaged and fully there so that you can enjoy the most sexually satisfying experience ever every single time it's got to be knock it out of the park sex and you can't have it if you are worried about how messy your house is or that there are dishes, dirty dishes in the dishwasher or that you haven't cleaned up after the dinner party or that you can't find anything in your office or anywhere in your house because it's a cluttered mess. So really you've got to, I I use the touch everything, but then again, I am a sex expert. <laughs> uh, the touch everything rule. When I clean up, I touch every single thing, put every single thing away. But you, if you don't like that, you can adopt the rule of five. So every time you get up from your desk or walk through a room, put five things away. Or every hour, devote five minutes to decluttering. You'll be amazed. You'll have decluttered for an hour at the end of it. Or just clean for an hour every every day. Uh, you want to make sure your kitchen, you know, I got to have the counters clear, wiped, clean. I'm a counter wiper. I'm an OCD counter wiper. Make sure your kitchen is clean. It takes a couple of seconds to place those dishes in the dishwasher. Don't let anybody put them in the sink. Forget that. Uh, you know what? Declutter. Get rid of all the knickknacks and the photos of the ancestors or the weddings or whatever. You know, put them on a wall. Just have some nice black and white pictures with silver frames. That's it. And... Also, the number of items stuck to the refrigerator door, take all of that. That's also associated with lower mental health, believe it or not. The number of things that are stuck. With the metal uh, refrigerators today, you can't actually put the magnets on, so fortunately it won't stick. But toss the extra magnets, the restaurant menus, all of that. Get that um, away. And just find some unexpected storage space. And if honestly, if you don't use it, you're not going to wear it. You're not going to use it. You have not cooked with it. Toss it. Give it away to somebody who may use it. But really, declutter your home. Declutter your life. Clear your mind. Make time for making love, having great sex. Delegate. Ask others to help. Engage your children if you have them. Engage other people. Hire somebody to come in and help out if you can afford that. By all means, it'll help you get back to the bedroom. You may be less anxious and you may want to enjoy some oral sex. You may be more likely to have an orgasm and men and women experience anorgasmia. And I'm going to be addressing those when I come back up and also uh, come back on. You come back up, I'll come back on. Uh, And some of the other issues around your relationship. And I'm also going to address that beautiful letter from that wonderful mother. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. So do stay with me. There is lots to come in the last half hour of this sex show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the area of sexual health. Thanks for Being here with me tonight is always my pleasure to come to you. 
Uh, I've had an email about one of the subjects I was talking about tonight, people-pleasing. Good evening, Maureen. In answer to one of your previous questions, I am a people-pleaser. In fact, sometimes I try to please people to such an extent it stresses me out, and I worry that if I don't do what I can do to please them, I would have done something wrong. Enjoy the show. Keep up the good work, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer, for your email. Jennifer, you have to do something to please yourself. And so, to that end, I'm going to talk about oral sex. (laughs) Oral sex is very pleasing, but I'm finding in my clinical practice that a lot of women don't like it, don't enjoy it, they're not comfortable with it, they're not vulnerable enough, they're not fully engaged in their intimate relationship, and I think they are missing out. Oral sex used to be something that was only practiced by a minority of couples, but it's much more that the majority of sexually active people do it at times. There are even sex toys that are that mimic oral sex. And, of course, as you know, the womanizer um, is actually the, probably the only thing that's better than oral sex. It's a clitoral suckling device, um, but an expensive one at that. <laughs> um, but anyway, there's... But oral sex... According to a national survey on sexual attitudes from the UK, they've reported that the percentages of people who say that they have gone in for oral sex during the last year are as follows. So 71% of 16 to 24-year-olds, 80% of 25 to 34-year-olds, 78% of 35 to 44-year-olds, 67% of 45 to 54-year-olds, 52% of males, and 35% of females age 55 to 64 year olds 30% of males and 19% of females 65 plus the discomfort increases it seems in that 40 uh, age bracket uh, and above but uh, many regardless if you're a part of the st- of the statistics or not uh, it could be something you are missing out on whether you are in a same sex dyad or a heterosexual couple or in engaged in a threesome uh, quite frankly, that's one of the uh, benefits of being in a threesome. It's one of the intimate acts that is often um, engaged in during that uh, time, threesome or even a foursome. Uh, but while one, you know, not everybody can have penetrative sex, but oral sex has many advant- advantages. There is one serious concern that has recently emerged, and that, of course, is the risk of throat cancer from the human papillomavirus, or HPV. That's why that vaccine is very important. And also, uh, it is clear that chlamydia, uh, another infection that may lead to infertility if not treated appropriately with antibiotics, uh, you're at risk for chlamydia. If you are uh, promiscuous, I don't really like that word, if you have multiple partners and you're, and you're not tested it, um, routinely, so or you're with a promiscuous person who has multiple partners, um, and they're not tested. So it's very important to have that sexual health testing. But So we've got the testing out of the way, and you're into oral sex. So what are the advantages of oral love play? It can really up your your game in terms of your sexual satisfaction. It's not everybody's cup of tea, and I understand that, but some people don't even look at it. They just immediately say, no, not for me. They're not comfortable. They're not comfortable with their body. Body image has to do with sexual satisfaction. But oral sex can be fun. It can help spice up a relationship. And when it's given to a woman, whether it's by another woman or a man, 
Uh, it's often an excellent way of uh, increasing sexual arousal for women. And if it's practiced by a reasonably expert partner, it's an extremely effective way of experiencing orgasm. And since only about a third of women experience orgasm, and if you are one that does not experience orgasm, you may actually try oral sex. Um, but a lot of women who have had difficulty climaxing do find that oral sex helps them to experience orgasm. So certainly give it a try. Um, you know, to say that men enjoy oral sex performed on them is uh, an understatement. But unfortunately, most only get it on their birthdays is what I'm hearing out there as well. And that's not enough. Um, but it can be really helpful. You know, erectile dysfunction can impact a man in his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And oral sex can actually help with uh, it creates an oral suction by the partner, and that can actually help with inducing a good erection, or it can actually improve an erection. So there's one uh, one thing for you guys uh, to make your case. You might want to say, this is going to give me a better erection. And women actually enjoy sex more with a man who has a better erection. There's no fun having sex with a guy who has a flaccid uh, erection. So uh, you can actually engage in oral sex at the same time, and that can be fun as well. I think you've heard the term 69 in the past. Um, uh, so fellatio, which is oral sex given to a man by his partner, whether it be female or male, versus cunnilingus, which is oral sex given to a woman by her partner, whether male or female as well. So, um, you know, those are basically the types of oral sex. And you want to take care to keep things moist. Just a few tips. Begin by gentle kissing the area of the vulva. That can be very helpful and help women to get more comfortable and then progress to kissing the clitoral region because most women require clitoral stimulation or sucking to experience orgasms. You want to avoid direct pressure on the clitoris, which for many women is a very sensitive organ. Or you may just want to kiss to one side of it or the other or just above it, and just for the first few minutes anyway. So um, the most intense stimulation is generally provided by using the tip of your tongue on the clitoral area. So done properly, this, as I said, will help many women who do not experience orgasm to experience orgasm. So I, uh, I'm going to have to save my grapefruit technique for fellatio for next week because we don't have time, but uh, hopefully you'll join me. For women who don't like to uh, perform oral uh, sex on a man, I find that the grapefruit helps quite a bit. Uh, helps everybody. And bl a little blindfold, too. So we'll just leave you hanging until next week. Anyway, when I come back, I'm going to read uh, a lovely letter from a lovely mother. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. And I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hills. That is one of my favorite songs, Stevie Nicks. <clears throat> anyway... I've a little dry throat today. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have dryness anywhere, especially down there. If you do, there's joy gel. <laughs> Lots of personal moisturizers. As I say, it's just as important to moisturize your vagina as it is your face. Repigyne's another one. That's an ovule that's inserted into the vagina. That'll make your sexual experiences that much better. But what if you are with a guy who can't experience an orgasm? And many more men than you think can't. Orgasm or anorgasmia is often caused by psychological factors like performance, anxiety, stress, problems in the relationship 
past sexual trauma or abuse and negative attitudes about sex or guilt about sex. You see that with particular religions or cultural expectations. There are also physical causes, guys, as well. So you may be on particular medications. It may be a sign of diabetes. It may be hypertension, so high blood pressure, blood pressure above 130 over 90. Uh, You may want to get looked at. People deny their substance use and abuse and their alcohol use and how much alcohol they consume. So that can also be a cause as well. Chronic pain may, of course, impact. That's going to have an uh, an impact on your brain and your mind, and that's definitely going to impact your ability to experience orgasm. Spinal cord injury may impact the ability to experience orgasm, although not always, multiple sclerosis and hormonal problems. So uh, it can really affect a lot of men. Uh, when they are unable to experience orgasm, it can actually um, impact their psychological well-being. So you want to treat the cause of the problem. That's why it's important to know. So some medications have sexual side effects. So if that seems to be the medication, if the medication is what seems to cause the orgasm problems, a change in the medication might help. So you may be on a particular type of blood pressure medication, an ACE inhibitor, for example, and you may switch over to a calcium channel blocker or some other type of medication, antidepressants, um, or if diabetes is a suspected cause, a man might need to take different steps to control his blood sugar. Exercise is key, of course, increasing that blood flow, feeling good about yourself. That'll help reduce the stress. Cut down on the drug and alcohol use and abuse. Learn those stress management techniques. Those are vital. They're so important. And and even counseling and sex therapy, either alone or with the partner, can be very beneficial as well. People have all these secrets. We have all this shame, and, and it's such a shame because it really impacts impacts our sex lives and our intimate lives. And we're embarrassed. We think people are going to reject us or we, you know, we make him come across in a certain way. And that's not how we intended to come across at all. And then that might invoke fear in somebody. And so then they've responded in a different way. And in any way, it gets all messed up and our relationships, you know, really uh, become messy and uh, and irritable and stressful and and it's generally communication that is the main problem with uh, relationships. It generally often falls back on um, definitely falls back on communication, misunderstanding, not saying what you mean. You know, people are afraid that you're thinking one thing when you're actually thinking something else. Uh, there are so many finan- uh, so many relationship problems that we can encounter these days. Finances are huge, especially here in Vancouver, of course. Um, but communication is key. So you want to maybe, if you're having difficulty talking about things with somebody, make an actual appointment with someone. If you live together, uh, put your cell phones on vibrate. Pay more attention to your spouse than you do your smartphone or the person that you're in the relationship with, even if it's just for that moment, even if you're just involved in a threesome with uh, two other people and you just want to maybe just give it all to them at that time. You know, try to communicate without raising your voices. Use your body language to show that you're listening. Don't doodle. Don't be distracted. You know, set up some rules. But really, that communication is key. Um, So you want to plan, plan, plan uh, what you're going to talk about, how are you going to talk about it, what you're going to um, put on your list to talk about. You want to learn what 
truly turns you and your partner on by each of you coming up with your own personal sexy list. This is what does it for me. You know, sometimes in the heat of the moment, you might be embarrassed to say that. Women are more comfortable talking dirty than men. But, you know, you have to tell your partner what feels good to you, what you want them to do for you and to do to you and with you. And if you can't express that to each other comfortably in bed at the moment, in the time, then you may want to plan a time to sit down and, and write it down on a piece of paper. Um, so, you know, you may always, you might need to go and get some outside help. And that's true. Uh, the finances are a big deal. Be honest about your current financial situation. I see so many patients coming into the office. I'm, I'm doing spreadsheets with them. I'm actually managing their budget. I'm just like telling them, don't buy a new car. Keep the one you've got. You know, when it's going to cost you twice as much to lease this new vehicle when you could buy this other one out. I mean, I had a finance guy I was dealing with him recently and he was losing his house or he thought he was. Anyway, in the end, he didn't. So, you know, as I always say, deal with your problems, but in order to deal with them, you have to address them. Uh, and you can't put your head in the sand over it. And I know we do that. We do that about sexual expression and, and so many other things. And last week I spoke at the TEDx Stanley Park um, event at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. And I, you know, I did my best. What can you do? I tried to deliver a talk that really, I was. it's, it's, about the work that I do. I'm very passionate about the work that I do. And and so I got up there, and I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, and I delivered the talk, and I was quite happy that that I delivered all the information I wanted to get out there. And, you know, I went a little over time, so it's going to have to be edited. Okay. But in the middle of the talk, I started rocking back and forth. And I remember thinking, I'm rocking, but you know what? It actually feels good for me, and so I'm going to continue to rock. Uh, and I, I actually couldn't stop it. I think sometimes when you rock back and forth, it actually helps you think. I know that if you move your eyes back and forth, it, it actually helps you think. But, you know, a few people, um, well, right away, somebody came up and they said, you know, you rocked. And so I was like, oh, thank you. I took it as a compliment. And he said, no, 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 you're going to hate your video. You rocked. And I felt terrible. But other people were coming up to me and thanking me for um, for the for the talk and, and addressing all of the issues that I had addressed from sexual abuse to um, not living true to your sexual, not being able to express your sexual expression. And I wanted to read, and I was feeling really badly that I had rocked. And, and some people um, said, yeah, yeah, you did rock and you were probably nervous. And I was like, I actually wasn't nervous. And, and this guy who actually wanted to you know, me to hire him to become a better speaker, um, was telling me, you know, he's focusing on how the negative, and we focus on the negative. We don't focus on all the good things and all the positive and all the positive things people said to me on that particular day. And people were saying, I'm in a sexless relationship and I, I'm complaining about it just as much as the married guys and I'm not even married. And, you know, thank you for mentioning sexual abuse. And so there were lots of different aspects of the talk, but this letter from this lady just made me look at it in such a different way. And I thought, if I've affected one person, if I've changed one person, then that whole year of prep was worth it. And I think it was worth it after you hear this letter. Dear Maureen, I attended the TEDx Stanley Park talk that you gave last week, and I wanted to let you know that through my tears, you changed my life. You spoke about George, a 40-year-old man about to marry a woman because his parents could not accept the fact that he was gay. You see, my 39-year-old son is gay, but until that day, I never wanted to admit it. 
After your talk, I went home and called my son and asked him to come over. I told him about your talk and how you were up there swaying on stage as though you were cradling all of us in your arms, letting us know we could shed shed the shame from our lives and improve all of our relationships. Your eloquent presentation changed our family. I then asked my son if he had anything to tell me. He started to cry and said, though that he thought that day would never come, he told me, He told me what I had stuffed way down deep. My son is gay, and I still love him. In fact, I love him more than ever. I, too, swayed when I cradled him and watched him grow and wanted him to be happy. I learned on that day you spoke. I learned that on that day that you spoke. Thank you, thank you, thank you, a mother in love. Thank you so much for your letter. I really appreciate that. You know what? I swayed on stage. You're right. Thank you so much. When I come back, we'll wrap this baby up. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Thanks for staying with me. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks for swaying with me. (laughs) I love that letter from that lady because I had taken that rocking comment as like, oh, you know, I was so happy that I delivered all the information that I wanted to. The people were laughing. They gave me a round of applause. They, I got a standing ovation. I felt like I, I had shared uh, in a succinct way the years of my clinical practice and delivered it out there and, you know, just covered everything that makes us feel so much shame and less than happy about our sex lives and what can impact our sex lives. Another woman said to me, thank you for addressing sexual abuse. Nobody would have tied that to a sexless marriage. There are so many things that are tied to a sexless marriage. And my my patient, George, who I, I loved dearly, was heading down the aisle to marry a woman because his parents had so much shame and they couldn't admit that he was gay. And I just felt like, I mean, that he said his parents had been so good to him. How could he disappoint them? And it was just, it's so hard when parents don't allow their children to sexually express themselves or to marry the right person. That is such a tremendous issue as well in relationships. There's so much to cover. I did have another, um, I get tons of emails and I love them from you. Sex talk at cknw.com. I got an email from a 34 year old gentleman, um, And he's a new immigrant to this country, and he asked me um, about premature ejaculation. Why does he uh, come too quickly, basically? And, you know, he said there was no stress in his life. Everything is fine. But, you know, as it turned out, he was had excessive thirst, polyuria, so he was uh, voiding frequently. He needed to be checked out for diabetes. He also had lots of stress. He was a banker in his home country, and he was working 9 in the morning till 9 at night in one of those check-cashing places here. He had three children. His wife wasn't working. She missed her uh, family. There were lots of stressors in his life, so a lot of that, and those can contribute to premature ejaculation. Of course, he wanted a pill as well, but I suggested he try some of the conservative measures first. Um, He certainly can try UXOR, U-X-O-R, which is a uh, desensitizer. You can apply that to penis. Anyway, as with all good things, this sex time is over. (laughs) Um, But I'll be back next week. And next week, I have a great sex toy for you. A lot of you I know have written to me about it. It's not the womanizer. It's another one because we are going to be focusing on couples relationships. Now, I've been promising you someone's going to join me, but he's going to be here next week. Anyway, in the meantime, go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. When you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. Have a sexually healthy week. 
Thanks so much for listening. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.